Hello, hello, Cheeky Cheeky Natives. Welcome to another episode of the Cheeky Natives. And I'm always with my girl. Hey, Dr. Slay. Hey, boo. How you doing? I mean, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I've obviously been bothering you for us to talk to the author of this book. Okay, uh, the drama, the drama, the drama. Today we have the wonderful privilege of talking to a debut writer yes. who wrote A Soft Landing. And, you know, I'm just going to, you know, titillate you a little bit about what is happening. So Visani Moshona was born in Zanin in the Limpopo province. He's currently a PhD candidate in English Literature Studies at the University of Cape Town. A Soft Landing is his debut novel, which formed part of his Master's of Arts degree in Creative Writing and was awarded with distinction. So we are obviously in the company of esteemed people who are graduating with distinctions. Hello, hello, Wisani. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Tabanolo. Hi, Alma. Wisani, I mean, I really think that this book does a lot of things, right? I think for me, what I really kind of enjoyed about the book is not what is happening in the book, but what is happening beneath the book, right? So mm. I wanted to know if these were the things that you were thinking about as you were writing, right? So the other current for me of, of kind of the book is like writing against this idea of homosexuality being an African, of homosexuality being an African. And mm. the thing that I want to say in relation to this is this. There are a number of instances in the book, right? I think the kind of geographical location of the book set in rural Limbopo kind of mm. paints a picture of like you would think that they would be outside of, let's call it, Western civilization. And because they're outside of Western civilization, the, let's say, the blemishes of Western civilization being homosexuality would not mm. be infiltrated in a place like that. But I think another instance in which we see that is when <clears throat> Yolula goes to the grandmother and the grandmother starts speaking about the trail of history of people who were queer, right? And so I wanted to know, like, kind of that undercurrent of the book, was that something that you were hoping intentionally your readers would get? Or what was your idea around writing against the kind of often wildly held view about homosexuality being an African? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I was... I was intentional with with writing against this idea that homosexuality is an African, especially with the scene where Yolula and Anzani go back to they go to the Eastern Cape to visit Yolula's grandmother, and she you know Yolula tries to introduce Anzani and he tries to tell her that he's you know they are a thing they're in a relationship, and she tells him that she's not shocked he's not unique not in a in, not in a bad way but like he's she, she's encountered queer people before and and she starts narrating the story to him about how one of her uncles in was 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 queer right i think i was very much intentional with kind of creating that kind of a historical lineage of, of queer people having existed you know from long, you know, having been there, you know, her being accustomed to queer individuals, I think that was important to me, especially especially her being in a in a village setting. So like that was my main intention mm. for doing that. Yeah. And so I have a question around what appears to be a central theme, and that is the theme of abandonment. You know, and I think that the Tokonola has just laid such a beautiful foundation. But 
there is a lot of abandoning that happens in this book. And I think what's particularly interesting is that Andani is deeply flawed. So Andani is, in many ways, experiences the parental abandonment from both parents in different ways, right? So I think often we think abandonment is just the, the physical lack of somebody's presence. But there is an abandonment that also takes place when the parent who is there is not able to be there fully. But then Andani turns around and participates himself in an abandonment as it relates to his relationship. And so I want us to explore that concept both ways. So the, the abandonment is a recurring theme, but why Andani then participates in something which has been such a painful part of his own life. Yeah. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. We did say that we're going to bring some some spice, Isani. So I know, I know. Take it away. <laughs> I was not prepared for that one. I think, that's, I think trauma, you know, I, I think the only way I can try and explain his actions are you know, is it, it, trauma. Um, I think what he, he knows is to run away from things. That is, that is what he's learned from his parents, especially his father who was there, but never fully there, right? And so I guess inherited to a certain extent. To think about kind of the way in which he comes back, right, is mm. not kind of acknowledgement of the trauma, right? Or acknowledgement of the harm that it did to Yolula. Because I feel like often people who do the abandoning, having mm. been abandoned, knows mm. the effect of it. But it feels to me like Anzani was just like, well, I'm back. <laughs> you know, I'm interested to problematize that a little bit, right? Mm. I do think that in as much as, you know, we are supposed to love Anzani and, you know, understand like the context in which you grew up, there are things that he does that are fucky, right? Yes. And... He's not held accountable or he doesn't understand accountable. You know, well, yeah, you know, he don't he doesn't hold himself accountable. And I'm interested in that, right? Like in what were you trying to kind of get to by, you know, leaving a lot of things unresolved, right? Yeah. Particularly when it came to Andani's kind of questionable behavior. Yeah. I think my main thing with Anzani as a character was I do not want him to be likable, right? I, I, when I conceived of the character, I was like, yeah, I don't really want him to like him, right? I want people to understand him, to understand where he comes from and to understand his actions, but I don't want them to like him. And so I guess that's, that, that's why this, you know, this is self-centered uh, and he's selfish and, he, he, you know, to a certain extent, he thinks about himself, right? But also I, th I think life, did him dirty you know I think he life was never kind to him you know growing up life was never kind it was never kind to him and so he feels like life owes him a lot that's where he gets the I don't care attitude you know the selfishness I think that that comes from having had a hard life there's a little bit further of exploration that I want us to do a little bit around the boundaries between trauma and the ways in which of course makes us ask or ask of us to be gracious but also yeah. the boundary i suppose between the grace that we extend to people because of their trauma but also the accountability that people then have to almost be held to right and i think that there's a question that you yourself ask around trauma in in the book right so andani's gone through a lot but andani also puts people through a lot you know and 
I, I think that there's a lot of trauma in the book. And I think we it would be good to hear what some of your own resolutions have been in writing this book, right? So yes, Andani is unlikable. Andani is deeply flawed. But Andani is also somebody who's experienced a lot of trauma, right? And like the Tlokonolo says, then inflicted on other people. But what are some of your meditations around what it means to be somebody who experiences pain, but then also needs to be held accountable? Because I feel like, that that for me is like like Lokonolo is saying is missing, but I guess missing in the book, but it would be good to hear your own reflections on what that looks like. Oh my word. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. I'm trying to I personally You know, this is a safe space, right? We're I just... know. I'm trying to <laughs> now I have to no, because I, I, can... I think I think what Alma and I are trying to get to is that of uh-huh. course writing the book there are some things that you were trying to answer or question or problematize, right? And some of them may not be resolved in the book because it's a novel, you know, but interested in like, what are some of your own resolutions around kind of Anzani's behavior and Anzani's kind of trauma and all of that? What are some of the things that you may have resolved from yourself? You could, you know, be like, you know, I don't care, you know, (laughs) but some of the things that you were thinking about. Yeah, I guess this goes back to, you know, what I had intended or what I was thinking about when I was writing the the, the book, which I wanted to explore the, the, the theme of shame, mostly in the book, right? And so Anzani experiences a lot of shame because of, of who he is and from his community. And I, yeah, I think, yeah, I know that's a hard one. That's a, <laughs> that's a hard one because I'm trying to not insert myself, but okay. So I mean, we want you to insert yourself, right? So yeah, let's do that. So we're interested. Places. So that's the thing. We think that you know. So so fiction is often the the gray area where the author's personal opinions, not necessarily lived experiences, but the author's personal opinions, views, and their lived experiences and other people's lived experiences sort of form that book, whatever it may be. And and also, I asked about your reflections. Maybe also that at the end of writing this book your reflections on particular things may change right uh, yeah. and it's reflected in the in the characters the characters lived experience and the characters experiences in the book so we want you to insert yourself i mean of course it, this is not to say that a soft you landing is about Wisani. <laughs> of course you know we're not saying anzani is you or, or whoever but it, it is interesting to just hear your own yeah, opinions on 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 things that happen in the book right because we know that that all the characters often take on a life of their own outside of what your imagination of what would happen may have been so yeah. when you're when you're encountering an anzani who is just like the Tokonola says a little bit fucky in, yeah. in some of the things that happen in the book it's interesting to see what your own reflections of that fuckiness may be you know mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> so so i was i was saying about shame i was, I was really interested in exploring the kind i, I guess anzani's actions are informed by the shame that it was made to feel right i think it reflects uh i think his actions reflect what he feels internally as a, as a result of the shame that he was made to feel right and i think for for him i guess to not be fucky he, he has to kind of deal with that shame I think it is at the core of 
who he is at the core of how he perceives the world, you know, how he expresses the world. And so the main thing, you know, in order to not be a shitty person and, and kind of likable, would have to, you know, he'd have to deal with, he'd, he'd have to come to terms with himself and kind of deal with the shame that it was he was made to feel, you know, the shame that kind of altered him and altered his, 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 his worldview. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because I want to link it with, I think, kind of what the book tries to explore, right? Like mm -hmm. you speak about this idea of shame and how this shame kind of filters through to many relationships that Anzane has because in many ways he hasn't processed the shame and identified it as such, right? And so yeah. it's kind of projected onto other people. But yeah. in many ways, queer people seem to have kind of an, a delayed puberty, right? And that causes some form of grief because they haven't had the experience of a, of a full childhood. And I'm not saying all queer people, but I think for most queer people, right? And yeah. I think the way in which this is typified in the book, particularly, the scene between Neo and Anzani, right? And you think about like kind of, the way in which they existed in each other, right? So mm. possibly no one told them that them kissing or touching each other, whatever was wrong, but the way in which that they, they acted, you could yeah. see that they knew that this would be frowned upon, right? So in many ways, unlike their heterosexual counterparts, they didn't mm. have a full spectrum of their childhood, right? So mm. for me, I think that shame also comes with the fact that like the mistakes Anzani makes now is the mistakes that many teenagers made when they were younger, but he's mm. now making it as an adult, right? And so mm. well, not to excuse his, you know, his behavior and his fuckiness, but it is to say that like, I think one of the major themes is to speak about like a, a moment of thinking about queer grief in a sense that for many queer people, We've not had the ability to live full lives. And yeah. so we carry that shame of the things we did in the dark, right, yeah. with us. And then yeah. it kind of filters through to the way we interact with people. And for some queer people, you think about Anzani, right? And you think about of before Yolula and with Yolula in so many ways, that Anzani is still, like, even though he may realize for himself that he's queer, outwardly right he's still kind of sh shameful so the hookups are happening in secret type of thing right and of the hookups don't create any kind of intimacy or connection it's just mm -hmm. bam bam thank you grinder and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that right kind of this the way that the non-fullness of a childhood experience impacted the way in which Anzani showed up into he was made to feel you know he was an outcast he was different and so there comes a moment when he undergoes a metamorphosis, right? So all his life is being shamed and undergoes the metamorphosis. And that alters how he views the world. That alters how he is as a person, as an individual. He has, and, and so I guess through that metamorphosis, when he has to be, when he has to act manly and present as a man and, and has to get rid of all these feminine features, there's there's suppression that takes place, right? Mm. And I, I think... You know, in, in suppressing, the question is to what end, right? When is the limit, right? And he was not taught how to love, right? It wasn't until the moment he met Yolula, I don't think he knew, really knew how to kind of love another man, right? Because that is something you know, that... He... It's fascinating that you say that, because now I'm thinking, I'm like, but well, are we taught how to love? Like, I'm just kind of... <laughs> I feel like no. I'm pounding on the fact, but I, and and, and I, I, I take your point, right? Your point is yeah. like, he had never been able to fully give himself to someone emotionally in that way, right? But I, 
I'm sitting here and I'm like, whoa, that's actually quite profound, right? Like, are we taught how to love? So do we show up in relationships in the way that like we were showed or not showed effectively? Yeah, I think if he was exposed to other queer individuals who were in relationships, and I think he would have learned something from that, right? You know, being told not to do a particular thing and, and being shamed for it and, and, and being bullied for wanting to love an, uh, another man, you know, he, that that I think that alters how you love. I think to a, to a certain extent, that alters how you engage with other men, for example, right? And so when you have to get into a relationship, there's a there's a lot that you kind of have to unlearn and there's a lot that you have to 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 learn. The, the violence that he inflicts on other people is a result of the kind of suppression, you know, having had to suppress desires. So I guess my question is also then around health, right? And we've spoken a lot about trauma, but we haven't really, you know, I feel like delved into mental health, which is a theme that recurs quite a lot in the book. And I'm interested yeah. in, in in two people particularly with Anzani's mom. Yeah. And right. Anzani himself, right? Because there's a thing about the ways in which his mother navigates her own trauma that then of course affects not only her mental health but the yeah. people around him. And I yeah. think that there's a the thing about writing about imperfect mothers particularly that mm. is always interesting for me to see in prints right because there's a trope about this the mom just almost being like perfect right we struggle with the idea that a mom may not be may not be perfect or may be flawed and wounded and scarred and so i want to talk about anzani's mom and her mental health and what that then looks like in the context and why you felt that it was important to write her story in the way that she did yeah that's quite interesting. I think one, you know, there's this notion that mothers always know when they are when their sons are, are, are gay, and I'm like, why? Why does it always fall on the mother, right? You know, it's never fathers always know, right? So as mothers always know, you know, she, you know, your mother knows. I'm like, I, I, you know, I don't know, right? So yeah, we, you know, there's this expectation of mothers, you know, being being perfect. I think what I was trying to do with Violet was I was I was trying to think about grief. I've never experienced the grief that Violet, had, Violet Wanzani have experienced. And so I often wonder how grief will alter me. You know, that's quite dark, but I feel like once death knocks, you change as a person and everything around you changes. I was trying to explore the, the, the idea of grief, but also this idea that it's linear, right? You lose something, you know, not necessarily people, you know, whatever, you, you know, you lose something and you mourn that particular thing. And then you come out on the other end and you are healed, right? I was not convinced by that. I don't think that's how it works. And Violet became that character I was using as a tool to kind of think through the, the idea of grief. Also with Anzani, I think my main thing with Anzani was, because I used the thing, you know, he, he, he's from Manjisi and then he moves to <clears throat> Cape Town, right? He wants to, he wants to live he wants to experience freedom, right? The freedom that he did not experience while he was in the emergency. And so there's this running that takes place, like running away from your past traumas, right? In order to kind of come on the other end and you're a new person, you're a different person. And I guess with that, I was I was trying to say, you know, he is a body that has experienced trauma and the trauma moves with him, Right, even though he, he's moving from one space to a different space, he cannot ex ex um, escape the trauma because it's it's a part of him, and so he cannot run away from it, and and that affects him mentally. That speaks to the mental health theme. I'm interested in the geographic positioning or the locality of these 
characters, right? So, because there's also a statement that I think you make about privilege, right? And also the space to be in particular locations. But it's interesting that you choose two very contrasting locations. So you choose, you know, Limpopo, and then you contrast that with the Western Cape. And I want to know why you chose the locations that you chose, but also what you were hoping to achieve in, in doing that. They often say, write what you know. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I've lived in Baba Menjizi all my life. <laughs> and I've spent quite, you know, I've spent almost eight years in Cape Town. I think I know Cape Town a bit. And so that was my main thing. But also what I think one thing, I could have said the novel in Cape Town and not do the Bobo, but I'm gonna, I just want to put my characters in, in a not so urban space and try and see how they experience the space, which, you know, that's something that I don't often come across character, you know, queer individuals experiencing the, 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 the non-urban um, spaces, is, you know, it's always urban spaces because I guess there's, there's this belief that urban spaces offer um, freedom, you know, for, for, for queer individuals, which is, which is not true. But also that is something that I was trying to, contrast you know having setting having Baba Majesty and Cape Town is as two contrasting space but also wanted to show how similar they are right because I guess my main thing was and then leaves Baba Majesty for Cape Town because it's after freedom but is it really free when it gets to the city space right because you know this notion that Cape Town is a safe haven right and uh, it does, does it feel safe is it true I guess I was trying to explore that but also sh show that it really is is a myth. <laughs> this whole thing that you know Cape Town is a city is it's a safe haven for queer individuals, right? I'm saying, put black bodies in in the city space and and see how <laughs> safe the city space is and how welcoming it is, you know. So I think that was my main, you know, the main idea that I was trying to to explore when I contrasted these two two spaces. Interesting. I think there's a contrast that you do also in terms of the characters, right? So I'm thinking of Anzani and Yolula because there's also a very particular positioning that you do. So less about space and more, I guess, you use the space or the physical location almost as a proxy for class, right? For class, uh, which is interesting, right? Because Yolula and Anzani are so completely different. It's just, you know, we're introduced to somebody who sounds a particular way, who navigates their, their lived experience and navigates Cape Town, which I guess also then is, a, is almost a proxy for whiteness in a very particular way. And that I'm very curious about, why you chose to cut, to have people who are so particularly contrasting in 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 their relationship, right? In terms of their yeah. upbringing, where they come from, et cetera. Yeah. I think Yolola is quite familiar with, with you know the politics of the city space he's doing an english degree and he's he's done research on he's, he's writing his phd on on this and on, on focusing on the city of cape town specifically right and and anzani is someone who is you know quite ignorant right well he's not informed i guess no not ignorant he's not really informed right he doesn't have the the the, the backing of, of of research i guess the the contrast between the two characters but also but also Yola is went to a boarding school. He went to he went to good schools and still is he's, he's not quite welcome in the city space. And so class really doesn't matter, right? Even though he has certain privileges, right? He speaks a certain way and he's able to get into all these white spaces. He still experiences, you know, violence. So I guess class doesn't set him apart, right? So he still experiences the same violence, we, you know, we, what we in, in 
occupying the city space. It's interesting that you say that because for me, I, I think in many ways, you spoke about the idea of wanting to create kind of this quest for freedom for Anzani, right, who leaves this place to go look for some kind of freedom, but does he really find it? But I think also it's not only freedom, it's like in many ways Anzani and his mom are the same, right, in terms of how they're dealing with grief, right? We think about Anzani as like double badge grief, so to say, and Anzani's mom as kind of like grieving the death of her kid, right? And how for Anzani's mom, she has to stay in the grief, right? Because she mm. can't leave her home. Yeah. But Anzani, in many ways, kind of runs away from the grief. Yeah. So physically aware that Nero is not there anymore, that younger sibling is not there anymore. But he believes that by moving to Cape Town in search of freedom, it's also moving away from the reality of having to deal with the kind of death and passing. And mm -hmm. we see this as kind of like showing up in many ways, right? The dreams, the kind of photograph, the kind of angst that exists in uh, a Cape Town that is not free. And mm -hmm. not free because it's not queer friendly, all of that. But as we said earlier, a lot of what Anzani is dealing with is turmoil from within, right? And that mm -hmm. turmoil is not going to change by change of location, particularly. And so mm -hmm. I'm really interested in the way in which like, that grief kind of manifests, right? Because I mm. think it's also connected to, again, governmental structures, right? So you think about how the book speaks a lot about failure and we'll yeah. speak about the kind of tragedy that happens in the book as a big governmental failure. But I'm mm. thinking about the instances in which Anzani's mom is depressed, yeah. right? Yeah. And she's dealing with grief, but she does not have access to healthcare. Right, yeah. because public health care is not easy to go by. I know for crying out loud, don't go to a, a state institution and say you are depressed. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like you're taking resources from people who actually have as people well, with problems, right? Yeah, they're actually yeah. sick. Yeah. And it feels that Anzani in many respects is able to buy himself some kind of freedom, one yeah. by leaving. But also he has the option that if he wanted to go to therapy that he could have gone because he's got the economic ability to do so. And yeah. we see him kind of at the final bits also, I suppose, being afraid to experience another form of grief in the sense of losing a parent, taking yeah. the mom to a hospital for yeah. her to be treated for her mental health, right? So it's yeah. just it's kind of, you do something really interesting, right? On the one hand, class is not a protector. Because yeah. no matter what Yolula does, he's still Yolula, he'll still experience the discrimination because class doesn't protect. But on the yeah. other hand, class allows some form of privilege because yeah. Anzani has moved up a class. Yeah. He's able to provide for his mom in ways that he wouldn't have been able to if he didn't get the degree that he got, if he didn't go to Cape Town for all these kind of opportunities. So for me, it's interesting to think about like kind of class plays a a non-protector, but also is a protector. It It is a marker of not freedom, but also a marker of freedom. But also it reminds us that actually money is dignity. So you think about like what happens in the book and we will speak about the, the, the tragedy of the book, but it is that in many ways, people have dignity because they have money. Of course. Of course, that is that is true. I think you know money buys you freedom. 
uh, to a certain extent, money, you know, it money buys you freedom. And with freedom comes, I guess, the, the will to live, right? And so Anzani experiences, I guess, momentary relief by moving from Bermuda to Cape Town and kind of trying to run away from the grief and from the trauma and trying to start afresh. But that is a, a momentary solution when the memories haunt him, then he has to face, you know, he has to kind of face the music. And for Violet, she does not have the money, right? She does not have access to healthcare, right? She she can't go to a mental institution because she, she cannot afford it. And so she has to stay, she has to experience, she has to face the music throughout where Zanzani, you know, lives. I feel like if she had money, her grief would have been different. She would have had access to individuals who would be able to help her get through it. And so a lack of resources really affects how she deals with the grief. I'm one of my favorite characters in the book is yeah. Anzani's uncle. Um, <laughs> because I feel like Anzani's uncle is a co-conspirator, right? Yeah. Uh, co-conspirator in this sense. I have a slight suspicion that Anzani's uncle knew what was going on between Neo and Anzani. Yeah. Right? It was yeah. okay to give them the space to be who they are. But yeah. also a co-conspirator in a fact that like he really shows up for Anzani's mom where Anzani is not able to again, because of distance or whatever. Yeah, he was really like a solid person, although I'd be mad at him because we know why. We know why I'd be mad at him, you know? We know why I'd be mad at him. Why but, would you be mad at him? <laughs> He's a nice person. <laughs> yeah, but like, would now have died though. And I think that that's, no, is is like an example of how inequalities in this country are not victimless, right? So yeah. we often think that like inequality and the fact that there are still children who use pits toilets at school, that mm-hmm. often feels like an abstract concept, mm-hmm. almost if you're living a very particular life. But yeah. what we're seeing is that inequality in many ways in this book just cannot, you can't be shielded from it, right? So like corruption worsening inequality is a, is not a victimless crime, you know? So I think that he would have, because the way that this country is set up, right? When you are somebody like now, in one way or another, a governmental failure or inequality is going to set you back, right? Yeah. Or is going to result in some sort of harm for you, be it in the lack of adequate public transport, which means that you have to take car X or route X that is not in the, in the in the condition that it should be, which means that you get involved in a, a road accident that then impairs your ability to function. You know, things like that, like the fact that in our areas, there are no pedestrian bridges. There's no safe places for people to cross or like what happens to now, right? Where people have not been given access to electricity and so they have to do what they have to do in order to access it, right? So it's like the lens at which people will go to access what should be basic amenities means that something like this was going to, something would have happened to now because of how precarious his life is. Wusan does a great job of showing that, that like how many Neos exist, how many people in this country have their lives radically altered because they find themselves on the wrong side of the tracks. That is exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to was show how the past affects the present, right? Especially South African's history, how it affects ordinary citizens, right? And through what an individual would consider a small thing, you know, electricity, right? Had the government delivered, you know, basic services to the community of Mumbai Emergency, you know, had they had they installed electricity, 
none of you know Neo would definitely have had, he would have had a, a different trajectory right I think Anzani Noah would have lived a different life right but because the lack of basic services and how the past is infiltrating the present and affecting ordinary citizens in different ways and so yes you know the electricity aspect of it and of course the the peach toilets those are remnants of, of apartheid and they, they still show the significant role that apartheid still plays in in the current moment um yeah. But yeah, Mar Neo, did it have to be Neo? Like I'm asking really, did it have to be Neo? <laughs> yes. I, I started with Sanzani and because he, he's the main character, main character, but not necessarily. I started with Neo. It was it was it was actually it was actually a short story. And I I remember I was telling a friend of mine that I because I kept seeing Nero lying on the ground with cables oh. uh, covering him, right? I kept seeing that image and I was like, I told a friend of mine, I keep seeing this image. I think I want to do something about it. You know, the only way I can get rid of such, you know, haunting images is through writing. It was a short story with Nero and he was always going to die, right? And so when I get, <laughs> so when I got to do my master's in creative writing, I was like, I, you know, because the, the short story was not working out. So I had to... You have a, a a larger, you know, um, and, and, <laughs> I was like, this works, you know, instead of it being a short story with him just dying after a couple of pages, you know, let me give him some background story. Then let me give him a life. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's one of the one of the most tragic things in the book is like witnessing that because yeah. it does happen. You know, like the it's not that it doesn't happen; it really actually does happen. So, I mean, I suppose the other question then is why a soft landing, right? Yeah. The book does a lot. We've spoken about abandonment, we've spoken about mental health, we've spoken about kind of governmental inequities, corruption, not being a victimless crime. But when I pick up the book and it says a soft landing, make it make sense, my dear. <laughs> make it make sense. We all want to land softly. <laughs> the title speaks to my character's need to find respite from their individual life struggles, right? All of them go through some form of grief. They either through the loss of people they love or through, I guess, with Anzani having to move from Barmages to Cape Town, you know, the, 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 he, he, he grieves for, for, for the space. And I guess what could have been if Noah didn't die and, and, and things like that, right? And so, you know, Violet Auskitsi also grieves for Noah, Anzani also grieves for Noah, Violet grieves for, for, for her child. And so they experience different, form, different forms of grief. And so I... I guess yeah, it speaks to their need to find respite and to and to learn softly, but also hope. <laughs> I think Anzani learns softly, you know, toward this hope that there's a softer landing, and and Yulula is kind of there to to facilitate this softer landing. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that's where I I I I was trying to get to with the title. I kind of love that, right? Just the idea of like, we all each need a soft landing. Wow, like, okay, I accept. I accept. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> Life is hard. <laughs> that's soft. Hard. Yeah, about the soft. Someone so playing, yes, yeah, someone playing for the most soft life. I guess my question is around the ending. I have so mm. many feelings about this ending. 
be sunny. <laughs> and we're just going to have to go into it because I'm just like, what's going on? Yeah. I feel that the ending in some ways was like unresolved and maybe that is the purpose of an ending. But like, you know, we see Anzani doing the most for the least and and it's almost like, you know, this carefully crafted life and exterior yeah. that he's created for himself in many ways comes crumbling, right? And I guess it's to pay homage to the idea that the body keeps score, you know? So... They, that as it relates to trauma and the like, the body keeps score. But Yolula then comes into the picture and is allowed into his confidence very late and very suddenly in the mm. in the book. And you know, I think I have questions around why that happens in the way that it does because this is not a book of resolution. But there's almost a resolution that takes place towards the end. I'm curious about. Alma, this is not a book of resolution. Yeah, it's queen. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, okay. I must use my cheekiness English. Listen. Um, but I'm I'm really curious about that and I'm struck by it. So I want us to talk a little bit about the ending and why yeah. things come together in the way that they do. I mean, there are a million ways in which you could have written this ending, but you chose this very particular one. And I'm curious about why. Specifically, the 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 you know like the end and end the decision that so so you know so Anzani taking Yolula into his confidence that very end yeah it's 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 interesting right because Anzani's been so deeply guarded and 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 we watch Anzani almost self sabotage throughout this relationship Mm. and there are decisions that both characters make that I find very interesting and very pointed so Yandani Yolula also then chooses to understand this behavior which i find interesting thinking about yolula's character throughout the book because yeah. yolula has just been like ah it's okay my brother huh you can yeah. keep it you can keep what you are selling you can keep <laughs> but in this particular instance it's just like i wait and i'm struggling to reconcile those those two things as they come to the ending yeah yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I actually hate that Yolula is, is nice to Anzani at the end. You know, he's like, yeah, I, I understand. And I'm willing to go through this next phase with you, you know. You know, going through therapy and and, and dealing with whatever. Exactly, issues. like, who understand that? Like, what is this understand? <laughs> you know, I think he also, if he's lonely, right, He's, he's he lost, um loses his grandmother, right, and... And there's, there's this before he loses the grandmother. There's this imminent loneliness that is just that's there, you know, it's hanging over him. And so the moment she passes away, he he becomes a a, a lonely person. And I guess Anzani is he loves Anzani, right? And and he likes his company. And in trying to get away from his own loneliness, he you know he wants to build something with him. And it's his character, you know, he's, he's compassionate and he, he understands even though he was, you know, he had to go through all of Can you please read like 248 from the beginning until the end of 249, just kind of, you know, also a titillation for our people, but just to, to really want... express what we're talking about when we're talking about. You want you want Alma to 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 hate to hate me more because she's like why that ending? <laughs> and now you're I mean, busy. I'm just interested in the complexities <laughs> of the character, you know. Um, of course, of course. Also, even the people we love, do you think that make us ask ourselves why? Why did you yeah. take him back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let me let me. I guess let me just read, just contextualize um, 
people. Um, I feel like I have to go update him about my life, my relationship, and ask for forgiveness for having deserted him. Anzani studied his gaze before he continued. I want you to come with me. Thurula turned to face him. There was a brief moment when silence announced itself, but Anzani didn't allow it to settle. I want to introduce you to him. Let him know I have found love again and how happy I am when I'm with you. I just need you to be there. I promise we are not slaughtering animals and anything of that sort. We are just going to talk to him. I am going to talk to him. And therapy, Thurula asked. I haven't dealt properly with many things from my past. I think it's time. Yolula nodded. I just don't understand why you didn't come to me when you, you got back. I was worried about you. You don't ghost people, you claim to love, Anzani. Come on, not... preach, preach. <laughs> I was not in the right headspace. I didn't know what, I did not know what was going on. And part of me didn't want you to look at me and see a burden. What does that even mean? We're in a relationship. This is just the basics of relationships. We share stuff. We solve problems together and came back and settled on the couch. It hit Anzani then that Yolula had referred to their relationship in the past tense. He wondered what it meant if truly Yolula saw their, their relationship with the past eye. When I tell you to use your words, I mean in times like this, I want you to communicate with me. That's the only way I will know what is occupying your mind. Yolula stopped to think. Remember what you said about love. Anzani's eyes softened. That to love is to accept vulnerability, that you become susceptible to hurt to accept the possibility of loss, a certain preparedness for it, for the pain that comes with loving. Anzani remembered his words. This was what he had said to Yolula before he told him he loved him, and because of that, was prepared for everything that came with loving. To not love is to occupy a, pre a precarious position. At least love provides bearing, something you can always lean on. Precarity is a lonely road, Anzani. I, I don't want to remain on this road. It has worse. Just existing in the city, knowing you do not want to see me, it hurts. Azani got hold of your left hand, and in that handshake like gesture they preferred, he brushed his thumb. I buried my grandmother in your absence, Yola added. How are you? Azani asked. I didn't know what to say, and he wondered then if he had become comfortable with loss. If, if ever there came a point in one's life when loss didn't affect you, he wondered if he was nearing such a point, if he had become desensitized to news of death. Grief is weird, Yola said. I've spent a, lo a long time alone after her death, negotiating myself around it, how to best respond to it. Is there even a best way to respond to grief? The emotions have been overwhelming. I'm grateful for life, but I do not want to spend the rest of my life alone. I'm sorry, Moranziwa, Anzani said. Yola's eyes listened. He liked it when, he liked it when Anzani called him Moranziwa. When do you start with therapy? Today, I'm actually on my way there. Can I come with Yolula? Please let me. And then slanted his head to the side and after a moment nodded. So do you understand, Dr. Alman, why Yolula was quite comfortable, you know, letting Anthony back into his life? You know, the lonely road ahead. <laughs> he was, he was, I guess, scared deep. of it. It's deep, right? Where he says, I don't want to remain on this. Precarity is a lonely road, Anzani. I don't want to remain on this road. It hurts worse. Just existing in this city, knowing you don't want to see me. Oh, man. Okay. Mujolo, guys. Mujolo. Mujolo is not for everyone. Mujolo will make you poetic. I suppose 
Um, thank you so much for opening yourself and writing this book and having this conversation with us. What do you hope a soft landing, you know, now that it's out in the world for some time, what do you hope, you know, it's out of your hands now, right? What do you hope it would do or it does in the world? Yeah, that's quite an interesting one. I think going back to my initial, you know, why I kind of conceptualize the soft landing, you know, kind of thinking through ideas of of of, of shame you know the, the kind of shame that queer people are often made to feel for being queer right but also how that shame how that shame organizes queer lives right how it organizes queer relationships and queer kinship right how much of it affects you know queer intimacy i guess to an extent right there's this this belief that Queer relationships do not last, right? You know, they're just like, oh, you know, that's that's another relationship that's gonna come to an end very soon. <laughs> and and I, I'm interested, you know, it's a stereotype, right? Right, but you know, the, the the thing about stereotypes is that it is not that they are untrue, but that they're incomplete, right? And so my thing was how much of the queer relationships do not last is a result of the shame that queer individuals are made to feel about themselves and how they navigate and how they navigate and negotiate. I mean, how they navigate, I guess, spaces and, and, and relationships and, and, and kinship, right? And so I think I was trying to, to think through that. And so I wanted to start a conversation, that conversation. I, wanted, I guess I want queer individuals to kind of think about how stigmatized shame affects them right like, i guess the relationship that they make and 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 how they and how they form relationships i think that was the core thing but also i want it's a soft landing you know there's hope life doesn't have to be a, a dread there's light at the end of the title um, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because like you know having this frame or the discussion with you the ending feels a little bit differently right i, I mean i'm still angry but I'm less angry because it feels hopeful, right? It yeah. feels in that Anzani for his relationship and for himself and wanting to show up for himself is taking the steps to go to therapy. And that's hopeful, right? So in many ways, it's like, let's use the resources that we have in order to ensure that we enter relationships better. And yeah. and so like having had this conversation, I'm like, okay, I see, I see kind of the whole thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Alba, do you also <laughs> do you also <laughs> I don't want to be victimized for my beliefs <laughs> so I'm just going to keep it moving okay. because I, I I just have deep feelings no, I'm joking I I understand I think that you know there's a temptation to think about relationships and the ways in which people navigate love and romance and intimacy in very black and white ways but underpinning that is a very real human need for companionship for love for the ways in which i think that a romantic partner fills up a, a very particular need in your life that yeah. that i think people often that you can't self-love your way out of right so you can't self-love and i think I, I can understand why Yolula feels the way that he does about his partnership with, with Tanzania, about his relationship with Tanzania. Mm -hmm. But of course, in the duality of life, I can also simultaneously just be like, you know what? Tanzania is deeply problematic and deeply flawed, but also requires that you extend yourself in ways that I don't know if Tanzania would be willing to do for anybody else. Yeah, that, is that which he demands of your Lula, I'm not sure that he would be able to extend himself to do. For... That is, yeah, that is that is true. Actually, I 
you know, given his track record, given his mm. history, you know, I, I don't, I highly doubt. But that's the thing about relationships. You know, people say it's 50-50. It's never 50-50. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not justifying his actions. I'm not justifying him being a shitty person, but I'm... Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's okay that's all right uh, <laughs> it's sad that Yolula has to be the stepping stone for Anzani you know for, for Anzani to become this 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 a better person you know yeah you know life is unfair <laughs> I'm joking yeah but I think you know it does allow us to think about the ways in which shame can rob us of many experiences and how we can unshackle ourselves of that shame but also it does say that Anzani doesn't seem like the type of person. And maybe this Anzani is doing this for Yolula, but if this is another person, things may have ended differently. So in many ways, it, it, it is that. It's kind of the fluidity of life, right? But thank you so much for writing the book, firstly, but also for taking some time to speak to us at the Cheeky Natives. I suppose a, a kind of practical question, so to say, do you think that the book would have been richer if you, after your master's dissertation was like, okay, let me like, not for a master's thing, but for a mm. novel, for a piece of literature, let me mm. beat it into what I want it to be. Because I, I remember in conversations we've had when we launched the book, you basically said the book had to end because the master's was ending. But I'm wondering if if it was different, would we have seen a, a deep kind of combing through of the book if you had more time to to spend on yeah of course definitely yeah i think i yeah i think we would have a, a, a total different thing you know I, I guess also to a certain extent i was thinking about the one the, the and I, I advice like i got from 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 someone close to me and they were like you know sometimes you have to let it you have to let it go you know you need to you need to put it out to to out into the world just let it go i think to a certain extent i was i was thinking of that but of course if i had more time you know if i had more time with it i would have i would have yeah we would have a totally different thing and that's also scary you know having more time with it because then you, you kind of alter it and, and and you know in in altering it i guess what 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 would i have lost you know what would i have gained but but yeah totally different thing i guess you know with time it would have been richer and maybe not perfect, but yeah, I think it would be a different. Thank different you so author. much. Thank you so much, Rizani. We at the Cheeky Natives really appreciate it. Cheeky merchants, please, Cheeky Natives, get yourself a copy of the soft landing. No PDF. Please. Don't ask about that to DM. Plus, you know, support black writers. DM us. We'll DM us. Get a copy. We'll sell it to you. Exactly. <laughs> So thank you so much. And we hope that you will interact with us, like, share, comment, and just engage with the book. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you to, to you guys. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. It's always nice talking to you guys.